0: It will be like, let's say, three different layers, three different sounds creating one bass line. Sometimes more, but uh, most of the time it won't be just one sound, let's say like a bass guitar playing. It will be fused different sounds that I try to blend in, so they might sound like actually one uh, complex synth, but many times it's just uh, two, three, four different a uh, sense or vsts creating one uh, one flow together you're listening to the Frio, Frio. Frio. Frio, music. Frio music podcast to the Frio music podcast My name is Nathan Lensky, I was uh, originally born in Ukraine and then when, we, when I was 6 we moved to Israel uh, and I grew up in Israel basically. So I would say my culture is more Israeli than uh, Ukrainian or Russian, uh, but I can speak Russian as well and so it helps a lot also in Europe and also here in Goa actually. At the moment I'm here in Goa since November, 2019. Um, Yeah, almost two years in this November. But actually the plan was to be here five months and then this whole COVID uh, story started. So we decided, me and my girlfriend, we are here together. We decided to stay here where the freedom is still happening. It's less strict than Israel, for example.
1: Interesting. And what brought you to India for your initial trip before COVID?
0: Uh, Actually, it's my maybe fifth or sixth time here. I really like India. My first three times I've been in the mountains, in the Himalayas in the north. I really liked it there. Um, And then after three times, I traveled around. I arrived to Goa, traveled around south, and I liked it here, it's like uh, lots of interesting people, lots of uh, music going on, uh, life is quite affordable. Um, and the plus in Goa, if you can afford more, you can have really nice lifestyle. If you cannot afford more, you can live uh, cheaply and still. Let's say it's way cheaper than Israel and it's more easy going and less stressful. And, uh, and it's mm. nice here, it's beautiful. Yeah, great
1: beaches, that's what I was going to say. I was shocked by how immaculate the beaches were. Uh, So what initially sparked your interest in music? What was your first musical experience?
0: Well, I guess from my home, my father used to collect tapes, and uh, he used to like all his life music, he, he plays a bit flute. He plays a bit guitar. So I kind of grew up in a house where music were, was constantly playing in the background. And I think I don't know uh, when I was uh, around twelve, like sixth grade, I went to this record shop with my mom. I remember in the in the mall, and there was some like uh, goa playing in the background. And as a kid, I didn't knew nothing about it, but it really attracted my uh, uh, I don't know, my ear. And I remember asking the guy who worked there, uh, where can I find stuff like, like you're playing? And then he showed me this uh, trans cassette area, and I actually bought this Goa Vibes 3 tape. I still have it at home somewhere. So I was kind of attracted to this electronic sound since a young age. I don't know why. I mean, maybe this is the reason why. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing, but... Uh, yeah, it, it attracted me since quite a young age, actually.
1: Yeah, so you found Goa House Vibes,
0: that was the cassette? No, it was Goa Vibes 3, which was like a trans, Goa trans cassette with Xtreme and some old-school Goa artists. That's amazing. That sounds like a a quality cassette to pick up. Yeah, I mean, I still have it. It's a nice, trippy cover. I don't know, for me it was funny. I chose it as a 12-year-old kid. I chose this one from any other option in the record shop. But later on, uh, in high school, uh, I met up s- some like friends that were actually playing live instruments and they were proper musicians and they introduced me to some other styles of music, if it's jazz fusion or prog rock and uh, all sorts of things. So it kind of affected my style a lot. Uh, yeah. And
1: then, when did you first create music? What what made that transition from enjoying a particular style or sound to thinking that you could make something? Um,
0: I think uh, listening to as a kid, I used to listen to this trance, even not knowing why I liked it, and I always was curious how how it's been made, and I even remember down like searching on the internet how you can do it and uh, I found this really old software called Impulse Tracker which is a software for DOS not even Windows like really old school and I tried to by myself to do something Uh, didn't like I I remember just laying down some kicks and some stuff and I was really excited wow I can actually program stuff and then I met in uh, in high school another guy who was using this software and he had a neighbor who was older than him and he taught him how to use it properly so we kinda bonded and then I uh, learned how to use it in a more uh, proper way and after all the whole cycle started from this impulse tracker software I moved to I think after that was Reason had ah, some Rebirth a bit before, just playing around then Reason, then Fruity Loops, then Logic and uh, yeah, and recently Ableton. All the last uh, maybe I don't know eight years. What is it that attracts you to Ableton,
1: out of curiosity, from Logic, and do you use those older programs still, or have you now a hundred percent moved to Ableton?
0: No, actually, I used to really like uh, Logic Audio, but then at some point, I don't remember. In the middle of the two thousands, they stopped working with Windows. They started. Uh-oh. They worked only with Mac. So all the newer versions of Logic were only for Mac, and I had a PC back then, so at some point I was tired of my old Logic 5.5, I wanted some new features. So I heard Ableton is cool and I downloaded it, and uh, yeah, it's, it's quite fun really. It's way more, let's say, easy going and straightforward software than others. Um, it has some pluses over other softwares, let's say, and maybe some minuses, but I really enjoy it. It's really it's really nice.
1: Nice. And When you're performing on stage, what is your setup? Do you use Logic on stage? How do you incorporate your DAW in your equipment?
0: Well, uh, I used to perform, um, yeah, I work with Ableton. On stage and I build my own interface so I have uh, some controllers so I can kind of play different loops and different uh, glitches and do all sorts of live stuff besides mixing the tracks and I used to bring my synth with me and then run some sequences from the synth and play live uh, with some sounds but this I haven't done for a while so at the moment, actually, it's uh, basically Ableton and my controller, but I can do so much from, from Ableton live. And in the past four years, I've been playing uh, Bansuri flutes and recording a lot in my tracks. So eventually I'll do uh, some live uh, flute playing uh, in my cool. sets as well, but I'm still uh, working on it.
1: Nice. And is that a a flute behind you, over your shoulder?
0: Yeah, there is uh, four flutes here. Every flute is a different scale. This is the traditional Indian uh, Bansuri flute, which is like a, a bamboo flute,
1: basically. Nice, nice. And so obviously you play the flute. What other instruments... I would call the computer an instrument, but what other instruments do you
0: play? Uh, I mean, I can play a bit percussion, I can play a bit keyboards, but uh not like properly jam with a band. So I would say with the flute, I can actually play a nice solo and and jam. All the others is just I uh, hear um uh, I think I have a good ear for 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 I you don't know for scales and stuff. I mean I know the theory basically but I wouldn't say I'm a keyboard player. More, let's say, the flute stuff. We we kind of jump
1: forward a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit about an artist that you have mentioned previously who impacted you and ended up uh, kind of bringing you along on one of their tours, and that's Orzik Tentacles. Am I saying that correct?
0: Orzic Tentacles, yes.
1: Yeah. So how did you first discover their music and how did they connect with you and how did you, you know, uh, meet them?
0: Actually, in my, I don't know, prog rock period, listening lots of progressive rock and uh, stuff like this some bands that combine electronic with uh, live instruments. And then just some friends suggested me, I check out this band. They're like one of the first ones to do it properly, to do... They call what they do Space Rock, which is basically a rock band, but lots of synthesizers and lots of layers of sound, like really trippy stuff. And I really liked it at the time. Actually, around 17, I think, was when I really started liking this band. And I had so many amazing experiences with their music. Um, so yeah, it was probably one of my favorite bands. And then uh, one uh, one of my friends who is uh, like he is making events, he's a promoter. He brought them to Israel to perform. So I uh, prepared the CD with my tracks. Uh, I drew a little mushroom on the CD, and uh, after the gig, I give it to them. And uh, I haven't heard from them, nothing. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever, they'll probably get many CDs and... Uh... And then after I think like two years, he brought them again to Israel for another gig. And at, at this gig, I was uh, opening before. I was playing uh, like a live set before and I was, I was playing my music. And really like I, I pressed play and after one minute, the bass player from the band Uh, she runs uh, upstairs to the DJ booth and she's saying is this your music and I was like yeah and she she tells me did you gave us a CD maybe two years ago I was like yes I did and she said listen we listen to the CD a lot in our living room we enjoyed so much and we only received the CD with the mushroom drawing with no uh, email nothing so maybe they lost the cover or something but actually they had the cd and they didn't know who the guy is and they really liked it and since that gig we've been in contact and then yeah after after some time uh, i was in europe uh, going for a few festivals and i remember uh, living in berlin just really a few months and i received this uh, message on facebook from from them saying hey would you like to come to england and join us for a uk tour yeah for me it was uh, yeah like unbelievable that's great so, yeah I, I did i went there i joined them and since i've been three tours with these guys uh, also in the us in europe and uk so that's for amazing. me it was like a dream coming true like uh, one of my favorite bands wants me to come and uh, do the opening show for every gig it was quite crazy and quite intense but uh, uh, yeah, serious uh, experience, I guess.
1: Yeah, I bet. And uh, no better way to learn than to be alongside some of the best. What yeah, I for sure. For sure. W- one of the takeaways, always write your contact info on a CD, I guess, on the actual <laughs> CD. Uh, and, but I appreciate that hustle, and it's surprising that they remembered it years after. And they're like, oh, that was that Mushroom CD that... It was nameless. Yeah, it means they were
0: actually listening to it.
1: They, they really did enjoy it. And
0: that it yeah, stuck. I was really flattered, like, uh, yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe, awesome. actually, at the time.
1: So when you, maybe before that CD moment, when you started crafting your sound and exploring the software, how did you begin to refine what styles and sounds and textures and, and feel for the music that you were going for?
0: Uh, I don't know, I think uh, growing up I was listening to many styles of music and uh, basically I think first stages for any musician is trying to imitate certain elements or certain sounds and I mean as a kid I couldn't really afford buying this expensive equipment so I was mainly working with the mouse and shitty speakers and I was self-teaching myself most of the stuff I know. I mean, I had some friends who showed me some things, but I never went for, like, a electronic music college or, uh, mm-hmm. well, like, self-taught. And, uh, yeah, basically I was trying to make the stuff uh, that excite me. And slowly I learned more and more and was exposed to more different musics. And at some point, that uh, side was a bit boring for me, so I was exploring different genres and uh, yeah, I got to where I am somehow, but I think uh, for everyone it's kind of like this, trying to put out whatever they take in before.
1: What are your favorite tools or plugins today on Ableton? Or
0: if you opened a new project, what's your kind of a go-to? Um, I mean, I have some synths even here. I have my Virus DI too that I brought with me, and at home I have a few more. Uh, so actually, when I have this virus uh, synth, is just a, such a great machine. So usually most stuff would be from it. But if not, I really like Ableton's uh, built-in synths. They're pretty good. The wave tables really good. Operator is really good. Um, I like Serum a lot. Uh like Massive. I like some stuff in Reactor. But really, with the virus and the Ableton stuff and uh, and Serum, I think it's more than enough. And when you're starting do, out from scratch on a on a given
1: day, you're opening a new project. What do you first start with? Do you start with a melody? Do you start with a beat?
0: How do you How do you build that first layer? Typically, I think most times it will be a, a little drum loop a little beat that I will make, and then I'll start adding some bass and then I'll start building around it. But every once in a while I have some melody running in my head, um, or I'm playing a bit flute, or I'm just playing around with some sounds. Every once in a while I will start from a melody or from a melodic sequence. But I would say around 70% I, I will start from the beat. And then how do you know when a song is done? Mm. Uh, I think for me, I think uh, if I, if it has like all the elements and I see that I'm sitting maybe three sessions and not changing much, I, I'm, yeah, I have a feeling, okay, it's done. Three sessions of not changing much. Well, yeah, just tweaking tiny things, adding something, then removing it because it's maybe too much. Or, yeah, at, at some point I realized that, uh, okay, maybe it doesn't need anything else. Maybe it's it's done, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah.
1: I like that. So, so does that mean, though, that you come back to your songs multiple times? You're, you're not going to build out a song today and be done with it today? You're going to revisit it?
0: No, no. Usually I have a uh, few projects that I'm working on. So if I'm getting tired of one, which happens a lot, then I move to another one. So I don't get too bored from uh, listening to this, you know, these tracks in a loop over and over. I need to refresh, like I need to refresh my ear. So I'll be working on a few uh, simultaneously. And then if I have, I don't know, uh, 10 beginnings, maybe, six, seven out of them I will really like and I will actually finish. What happened before also that I had a, some track I started and didn't like it and then suddenly opening this project after two years and I was like, wow, this is actually pretty cool, I, I will finish it now. And how do you approach creativity? Do you sit down at
1: a, on a daily basis at a particular time? Do you, do you work in kind of waves
0: or, or spurts? How do you become productive? Um, Well, actually, like my uh, occupation, what I do, my main income source, uh, I do uh, uh, visual art, I do uh, digital art, graphic design, stuff like this. I studied it properly, university, and uh, I used to work for some uh, TV channels doing motion graphics and stuff, and uh, so what I'm trying to say is that I have a lot of screen time. So I might be sitting in front of the screen and drawing something, and then I'll sit in front of the software. So I'll try to find the right balance. So if I have few projects, uh, like visual stuff, I might sit a few days on that, and then I kind of miss the audio stuff, and, and I go back to the audio stuff. But like you said, I think it comes in waves. Some days, I don't know, the, the connection is really good. So I might start something and be really productive in uh, three hours. And some days I might start something and just, I don't know, do some tiny things, three hours, and uh, the end result will be not satisfying. And it Yeah, I think it depends on uh, things that are uh, outside of me, let's say.
1: I guess, how do you put yourself in a creative mindset in? And- Make sure that you are working on your mind and not taking in, you know, the wrong information, and being in a negative state. So, how do you kind of filter things and approach life in a creative way, where you're drawing and
0: making music as well? I think it's again, it's about this balance. I don't think these uh, these uh, things you can push like you cannot. I cannot force creativity, or I cannot say, okay, today it's going to be really creative day and i'm gonna i mean i can create the setting before by saying this but sometimes you just cannot push it sometimes i might sit a few sessions and it won't be so amazing usually when it happens means i need to leave it aside and then maybe not touch production at all for a few days few weeks go have some experiences meet friends hang out and then i come refreshed and suddenly there is a good drive, and then I might sit uh, two weeks straight and just being really productive.
1: So I would like to switch gears to, to your music and talk about a few different tracks. Uh, there's there's a bunch that I'd love to talk about, but Dancing Lights is one of them, and that's on your album Time Seeds. <laughs>
2: Singer. Singer. Singer.
0: this one uh, I had uh, I had some uh, I had some flute session and there was this little loop that was uh, stuck in my head, I remembered it, really like this ethnic uh, ethnic little loop and uh, I tried to just quickly write it down so I won't forget the idea so just put the notes in and uh, just so for later I can remember it but I remember in the end, it went totally to a different direction than I was planning. Like uh, it started as this like proper ethnic scale and, uh, and it ended up being kind of in the middle, a bit funky, a bit ethnic. So yeah. How are you designing like
1: the, the beat and the bass? Because it, it's like a really fat sound. And I'm going to be pulling this in for the listener, so the listener hears it as well, but how do you design such sounds that feel unique, that they feel like branded to you
0: somehow? I don't know, man, I just do what sounds good. And I uh, probably lots of artists that I listen to in obviously influence the stuff that I make But usually, I really like uh, to create, uh, let's say, a a bass line that will be... It will be like, let's say, three different layers, three different sounds, creating one bass line. Sometimes more, but uh, most of the time, it won't be just one sound. Let's say, like a bass guitar playing. It will be fused different sounds that I try to blend in, so they might sound like actually... One uh, complex synth, but many times it's just uh, two, three, four different uh, synths or VSTs creating one uh, one flow together.
1: And how do you make sure that they don't fight each other? The various sounds. How do you make sure that they they merge into a sound that is distinct?
0: Well, that's a technical thing already. Uh, right, EQing, right, compressing, and uh, choosing the right frequencies between each other, checking they're not overlapping. That's like purely technical stuff. And a little bit also, you can hear, I can hear, uh, let's say one uh, one layer can be the really low end, the really subby part, and then the other uh, layer will be more growly and more uh, scratching the higher uh, tones. So together, there will be a complete thing.
1: Yeah, and so the bass, it starts out it's like a it's a beat or as a a bass beat and then the second half it's this like penetrating laser bass like it, it totally shifts and and suddenly it's like it slices through the sound and i i just appreciate that so thanks for Thank illu- illustrating some of the uh techniques that you use to to layer do you do that with other instruments besides
0: bass uh i guess every once in a while it happens naturally a certain blending of elements i think uh i think when i was younger uh, the tracks were they had more channels they had more going on more things happening because i feel uh, many times it's easier like you have a certain loop you're listening to and then you get a bit bored of it so the natural thing to do is to add another element, and then suddenly something fresh comes in, and you're like, oh, wow, this is cool. And then after some times, you get bored of this again, so you introduce another element. And uh, for you, you're so used to this loop, so it sounds fresh, but maybe for an outside listener, it might sound too much, you know what I mean? So uh, I think over the years, my process is kind of, not backwards, but... I do this uh, adding 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 but then around 50 or 70% of the track I start removing elements removing beats that are maybe too much or uh, too overwhelming or too messy and I really try to leave what's necessary what's necessary and uh, to bring the focus to a certain element instead of just blasting with lots of sounds and, uh, yeah, when I do this, sometimes, you know, I might leave exactly a certain arpeggio running in the background with a certain lead, and at some point they might connect nicely, and uh, if it rings right, so I will leave it.
1: I, I love the way that you said that. You, tell me if I'm misinterpreting or if I'm butchering what you said, but uh, that you're building the track, you're adding things for, like, 70% of the time, and then the last 30% of the time you're subtracting.
0: Kind of, yeah. I think uh, I think in general, for each track for me, it's like uh, when you start a track, it's really easy, it's flowing because everything is fresh. So no matter what you add, it sounds cool and fresh and nice. And then I think around 50% of the track, you kind of, I, I reach this point where I get a bit stuck, where I feel, okay, there is a breakdown and now I need to introduce some new element. And uh, usually at this moment, uh, like it's a critical moment or I leave the track or if I find a good, uh, let's say, third part, uh, then I feel, okay, this track is kind of finished. I have all the elements, I have the beginning, I have the build-up. I have some uh, something happening and then I have the ending, like a movie or a story, let's say. Mm-hmm. I feel like every track needs to have all the parts, you know, the beginning, the middle and the ending. I feel like many tracks today are, let's say, just the middles, you know. They start, there's a cool beat, a little break, back to almost the same beat, three-minute track, done. Which is basically made for DJs, for playing live. for you playing. So I feel like many tracks are just the middles of the story. And for me, I try to really have all the parts. Some intro, some build-up, and then breakdown, then... With
1: that said, looking at your track times, you don't have any any three minute songs or near there. Um, so one no, of think, them uh, in particular. Yeah. yeah, they're definitely longer, which I appreciate. Uh, one of the songs that I wanted to talk about is ten minutes, and it's a sacred signs.
0: Actually this track is uh, the ending track of the album, so I try to really have this calming effect. It's like a three-minute intro, some background uh, atmospheres and only the flute to really chill out the atmosphere and bring this nice dubby vibe and end really positively the album with a good message in the end. and. Uh, and uh, I don't know, sacred sounds, uh, sacred signs might... Uh, well, you know, it's a play on words, a sign like a sine wave, so mm-hmm. it spells like a sine wave. So yeah, it's like... Uh, I feel that sometimes this is what I'm trying to do, to create these sine waves that will give the listener, or me while creating it, a certain spiritual experience. Uh, sacred experience but you can also say that every sound is is this you know
1: what i mean well that one also has some awesome uh, drops and that just slice through the textures and i'm i'm wondering when you are mixing and trying to get the levels right and make sure that there's balance how do you work with negative space to create like a found um I'm trying to think of another word other than using space again. But uh, how do you work with negative space to create
0: space for sounds to really pop? Well, that's a bit like uh, what yeah what we were talking before. It's, I think, uh, around when I'll, I'll have all the track parts built and uh, let's say I have 70% of the track done or even a bit more. At this point, I usually start to it's good let's say not to listen to the track for a while for a week or two or a month i don't know depends and then it's much easier when you're coming back to it and you don't remember it so well it's it's much easier to see oh wait here it's too much it's a bit too overwhelming this drop has too many sounds maybe i'll try to remove everything and leave only the beat or or let's say remove the beat and leave only the lead for a few seconds and then bring it on but I really think this comes over the year. I don't know, over the years, I don't know, with, with experience to really feel what is too much or which element is really good and should have focus. Um, I think it's harder to, I wouldn't say my music is minimal, but I would say it's really ha- hard to make a piece of art, if it's even visual or audio, to be minimalistic, but really good and not just minimalistic, very few can do it. To have, I don't know, drums, bass and a lead, and it's perfect. You don't need more tricks and stuff in the background. It's just every element complement the other elements in the the best way. I don't think I'm there, but I'm slowly feeling that in the last three, like the last two albums, really, that's been the process. Removing more and more elements to clear space for, for the ear to actually notice certain things. Well, it's such a difficult balance between
1: adding or keeping space, not adding elements, but yet having something uh, stand out to to have its own like oomph, for lack of a better term. You're uh, I didn't know that you were into graphic design and drawing, so tell
0: me about your album covers. Did you do those? Yeah, I did all the album covers. Uh, if you want to check some art it's called mantis vision art and design Uh, there is some stuff on instagram on facebook so you can see some stuff i do and uh, yeah obviously i feel like i have to do my own album covers because i don't know i feel like i have to and uh, but i do lots of uh, album covers for other artists uh festival flyers, posters, I did some uh, clothing prints for all kinds of brands, some logos. This is my main uh, profession. I studied it. I used to do also um, like uh, animation and stuff.
1: Uh, Yeah. Do you find visual art as fun or exciting or more fun and exciting than making audible art? Hard to
0: say man, I think naturally uh, if I have a lot of free time, I think I will be making more music, but also I feel this because I have lots of, because it's my source of income, let's say, this is my profession, so I have to do it, mm-hmm. the visual stuff, to to have some money uh, flowing, so many times when you have to do something, so you won't do it when you don't have to, you know what I mean, so... But slowly, over the years, i really trying to take, on the visual side, the more creative projects. And not taking some boring, I don't know, websites or designing buttons and menus. I will take uh, stuff that I actually enjoy and I can put in my portfolio and I'll be proud of. What advice would you give to a young musician starting out today? I think really explore. just. Uh, because um, I think uh, naturally when you start creating things you try to imitate some other artist you like a certain artist or a certain genre and uh, you really try to imitate it or imitate specific sounds and this is this is really good you learn a lot like this so you, you have this specific sound you hear in many tracks and suddenly you discover how to do it and it's super exciting, it's like wow I can do it so I think this is like a learning process. You learn the tools, let's say, the technical stuff. And uh, after this point already comes your uh, your uh, your input. So my advice would be don't stop at this point where you, you really like a certain artist and you actually managing to sound like him. And then you might say, okay, that's good enough. But I think you should really keep... A, Exploring and exploring until after some time your, your, your uh, print will, will appear, your specific uh, sound signature, naturally, it will, uh, it will come. So this would be maybe the most important, important uh, thing for an artist, I think. Not to sound like other artists, like it might be really good what you do but might be really similar to other stuff. And try really to find your unique uh, thing. Which, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's hard, you cannot force it. You just have to keep going, keep going, keep going and uh, after some time you... People might tell you, hey, I can hear it's... I straight away can hear it's you. When first time somebody told it for me, I was really surprised. Like, really? Uh, I have uh, a sound? I don't know
1: it's interesting like having a sound you know like what well where is it you know but it's a uh, very interesting to that you've developed your sound in such a way that you were able to meet some of your idols uh, at a younger age and leverage their fan base and tours and, and learn from them alongside them to discover and uh, develop your sound so that's that's great advice keep keep going don't stop at the imitation phase give it a shot try out some techniques to sound and to discover new new paths, but then just keep pushing forward. Great message. What purchase have you made for under a hundred dollars, and uh, I guess we could use rupees, so what is that, thousand rupees, uh, that has most improved your life? It doesn't have to do with music. In the last six months.
0: Uh, nothing really surprising. I had, uh, I had this Wacom screen that I used to draw on, and then it stopped working. And actually the cable stopped working and uh, and it's a really expensive brand and they don't make this cable anymore because it's an old model. So I actually spoke to the company and they were like, uh, sorry, we don't make this cable anymore. So you'll have to buy a new Wacom for like a thousand dollars. So I was really pissed off and I bought another scrate from a Chinese company, which is four times cheaper, but uh, delivers almost the same experience. So yeah, that that was the ah. But you said under a hundred dollars. It was actually more. <laughs> it was
1: maybe. That's all good. But that is it with a digital pen
0: and. Uh... It's an actual screen like that you draw on the screen. Oh,
1: okay. Cool. Like so you see immediately what you're doing. It's not just like yeah, a yeah, white yeah. screen. Okay. Cool. So how has COVID re or made you rethink the music industry? I know that you're as a result stationed in Goa, but do you see the kind of recent, the last couple of years as a changing force in the industry or do you think things will kind of go back to the way they were?
0: Yeah, it's hard to say at the moment. I see the situation with many friends and musicians and people who would, I don't know, let's say they will do the vaccine only so they can go and do some gigs and not because they like scared from the virus or, you know, they'll do the vaccine because they need some money. And they have few gigs in Europe and they have to fly and they cannot, so it definitely uh, impacts the, the industry. But I think for more mainstream genres like, I don't know, like uh, let's say Psytrance, many of these artists, they really rely on gigs. So if they have a new album, they want to do album launch in a festival and uh, it will give them straight away many gigs. So many releases were missed because of this, but I feel in the more uh, alternative genres, like uh, what I do or like, uh, I think there were lots of uh, pretty cool releases in this time because basically artists, uh, musicians are stuck at home in their studios, so if you're not wasting your time on worrying and being too anxious, you sit and you make music. So I think there was a big uh, explosion of some of uh, releases.
1: And have you been performing online or have you changed your approach to gatherings? I don't, I don't know if India has any restriction or in Goa with uh, playing shows locally, but have you changed your format to be more online centric?
0: Uh, not really, there was few when I released the album so the guys from Merkaba they said record a live set and I felt like I wanted to be something special new and not just me standing with the laptop uh, in a nice queue and, uh, which is also, it's, it's enough No, it's not like it's not good but I, I wanted to bring something new to the table maybe do the flute thing but still it didn't happen uh, but it will, it will come but besides this, I recorded few sets for Radio Zora and for uh, some uh, some live stream from uh, this label called The Rust Music from New York, if you heard of them,
2: they no, have some no, no. cool stuff.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I had few few sets for like uh, streaming uh, events, but to be honest. Uh, at some point there were so many of these online events, or online festivals, let's say. And I was a bit angry because it was like... uh, I felt like many artists shouldn't give this. They should say, no, if you want a festival and you want to hear me live, make a real event. I mean, in this way you're kind of satisfying uh, people, but also you're contributing to this situation to continue. If all the art industry, all the musicians, all the movie uh, directors, all the series, all the radio show will say, no, we're going to stop now. I think the situation will resolve much faster, because like, you need to have some entertainment of some sort. But uh, yeah, it's just what I was thinking at the time.
1: Yeah, fair. And I, I wonder, do you think that the music industry is going to shift in like VR is going to be or AR is going to become aspect of a live experience?
0: Yeah, it definitely. I feel it definitely will. It's already was happening, like a virtual Burning Man and all this stuff. All these uh, ideas came first in this uh, two years, I guess. So maybe yeah. it's like a natural part of this evolution. So people think, okay, how we can still connect. Uh, Being locked in our houses, which is kind of sad, but uh, maybe it's a cool thing To have this option as well.
1: Hey, well For selfishly, it would be great to catch a set of yours in Goa when I'm, you know, right here so I don't have to buy a plane ticket, but um, I I know what you mean There's something unique and special about a live experience in person with other people dancing and You know feeling like literally feeling the music and the vibrations from the huge speakers, and it's different than with headphones or earbuds or cell phone. You know, it's just not it's not the same experience. But it is interesting seeing technology shape the industry, and music has been pushing technology forward too. With like Napster and stuff, they, they totally reinvented it, and music seems to be at the edge of uh, technology. So, oh,
0: definitely, curious especially electronic music especially electronic music. No, I'm totally up for technology. I like technology, and I think this is really cool thing. But, like, I don't know, you need to find the right balance. I'm a bit scared that people might get, you know, too lazy, and they just stay at home and uh, have their festival uh, in their VR set and getting fat and uh, lazy and, uh, you know. I I I think there's a Disney,
1: wasn't it? wasn't there a disney movie or, or some sort of movie about that
0: yeah yeah there was uh i forget, I forget what, what it was called. where they're all on this floating thingies and they're all yeah, fed on like lazy
1: boy chairs that float yeah and they have vr yeah anyways yeah good g- good warning hopefully we don't become that but um but yeah it is it is fascinating
0: but it is cool as you say if you can actually you're somewhere and you're not able to go to a festival tour in Europe. You can actually log in and see lots of uh, spe- like live sets that you won't be able to get anywhere else. Just by going into the virtual space. Yeah. So, I think it naturally will happen. It's like it it's already happening. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think it's just sped it up. You know, the the fact that we're all kind of stuck and now that companies have to big. Fortune 500 companies have to work remotely. They have to figure out all this remote technology. It's going to force the industry further, faster, I believe. So I wanted to ask kind of a curveball question for you. When you're making music and or reflecting upon the music that you've made, what would you say is your X factor? Like something unique, like a little extra, like the secret sauce that makes the- it yours.
0: Uh, it's hard to say from my point of view because from my point of view uh, maybe you hear it and for you most of it sounds fresh and unique but i really hear the influences from every artist i can hear some tricks i do that i learned from the osrigs from this band from for for example and i might hear some tricks that i maybe heard pongo does when i was uh, young and it influenced me or tipper or so I recognize it immediately, so I would say it's actually the blend of all, all these elements creates something fresh and unique, but for me to say about my music it's harder. Maybe someone else that really likes my stuff, he will say, ah no, he, what, he always have this thing that I may be missing, you know, like I cannot point finger at. Uh, I guess another way of thinking about the X Factor, because this is the
1: first time I've asked this question, so I need to make it a little bit more clear. And, and that is, like, what is it that you put into the music that gives you maybe an unfair advantage? Or what is like your background, maybe as a visual artist, your X Factor could be your album artwork, or you know, something that is kind of uniquely you that other musicians don't have because they're not you?
0: Again, hard for me to speak about uh, my own stuff, but uh, I have... Uh, first of all, I'm not... Uh, I spoke with few producers and a few friends who make uh, really awesome music, and I just was curious how they produce, what's their approach, and I know many of them, let's say they visualize a dance floor, and when they make a track, their aim is to make people dance, and the whole production process is aimed to bring the right drop in the right time, to make people jump, to feel to have a good dance floor. So it affects their whole process, you know what I mean? Like every track supposed to do that. And this is kind of guiding you through the whole process. And uh, I try not to have it, I try really just enjoy. For sure some tracks, I also want people to dance in my sets, obviously. But uh, I don't have this as a guiding thing. I just, some track can be really slow dubby tune, some will be a more breaky with some little drum and bass beats in between. So I don't have a a specific like one style. I enjoy many things and uh, maybe you can hear it in the album. One track will be more uh, hip hoppy, groovy. One track will be more dubby and spaced out. One will be more old school. like goa sounds and stuff in it. So, yeah, I really try not to have a a guideline. Or even some artists uh, that I spoke with, like before starting an album, they have a whole vision, like I want this to be a healing thingy and it should be like shamanic and very deep with lots of natural touches. They kind of envision it before they uh, start working. And I never have this, uh, what I imagine now I'm going to make. I just start making, and it happens on its own. Plus, one more thing I really want to say, that uh, one time, uh, there's one sentence that really stuck in my head, that Ed told me, that's the main guy from the Osrics, he's the guitar player, and he's the the mastermind behind the band, let's say. And uh, one time sitting with him, he told me... uh, I don't remember the exact words, but he said that like to make, uh, to make something bad or evil or uh, like uh, um, aggressive, like let's say if there is a dark and a light side in life. So to take things to the darker side, it's very easy. You will choose some minor progression and, uh, and it's automatically working. You take a minor scale, you put some distortion, and it's there. You're having this aggressive uh, feeling. But on the other side, to make something completely blissful and beautiful and healing, without being cheesy, not just some happy, very happy melody. So he said this is much, much harder. To make somebody really bliss out and space out just from the sounds you're creating, without being cheesy is a much harder task. And I really think I'm trying to provide this experience to actually, yeah, make people feel better and uh, in hard moments and just feel good and not just, you know, blessed and uh, yeah. Well said.
1: So outside of music, outside of visual art, what are you into? What are you? What gets you excited? What gets a smile on your face?
0: Uh, I like traveling. Been traveling a lot, doing some trekking. Been in many countries over the years. Um, but yeah, I mean, mostly music, art, uh, cinema. Uh, yeah, all these things. I don't know, I like also creating things. Also, I like cooking sometimes. Like, I don't know, to create things from nothing. I think it's uh, it's like uh, magic.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Definitely. So, for anybody listening out there who doesn't already know you, what are the best links and platforms to connect with you on?
0: I prefer SoundCloud because uh, it has all the releases, plus it has some uh, sets. Uh, live mixed sets which for many people it's much a nice smoother experience you put and you have one and a half hour or two hours of a flowing set so you can put and relax and you can experience uh, the set i played in some festival so i think this is the plus that soundcloud might have uh, over spotify let's say or uh, so i would suggest soundcloud because it just has more of this live sets, uh, although Spotify has a bit better sound quality, so I don't know, depends.
1: And if somebody wanted to, to reach out to you personally, do you have a channel that is a good, appropriate place for somebody to reach out?
0: that be like Instagram or SoundCloud? Or, I think Facebook will be the easiest. I mean, I have my email, you can connect me, contact me through Bandcamp, for example, if you go to my Bandcamp. You can straight away send a message, and I can see it. Cool. Uh, cool. So, but I think Facebook is the quickest one. You just send a message, and I see it, and I can respond. But also SoundCloud is. I think most of these platforms made it really easy. In SoundCloud, you can comment or send the direct message. Usually, I answer all this stuff. And uh, yeah.
1: Great. Well, the last
0: question is for you. It's open-ended. Is there anything else that you would like to share? I feel like uh, it's. Something about uh, the COVID situation and where the world is at the moment. But I'm so tired talking about this stuff. It's like I really try to avoid this as much as I can and be focusing on creating. But uh, I think it's like a critical point now. And I think people should really be careful uh, who they trust, what information they trust. And uh, what, what are the interests behind the information that they get. If it's actually uh, thinking of you or, th- I don't know, I think it's a people should uh, really think about their f- rights and their freedom because for me it looks like it's being uh, taken in a very clever way. They're building it up slowly so you won't even notice it happened. And I feel it's a bit dangerous situation, although I'm very positive that many people, as long as it keeps going, many people are seeing it and seeing that something is uh, not right here. So so yeah, I think uh, now is a good time to think about your life because you might be stuck at home and not working and you have this time. So instead of actually worrying about what will be or what they say in the news broadcast or whatever, actually think about the life you had before and do you want it to go back to how it was or what would you like to have after this phase. But uh, really think and not just give in to any, I don't know, scaring tactics. uh, Yeah, it's a bit scary for me. I mean, uh, as long as I start... Yeah, I mean, you know know what I'm talking about. It's been going for two years now and... uh, so
1: some crazy stuff. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a very interesting two years. And being in Goa sounds like an amazing place to be for the last two years, where you get the, the beauty of the, the ocean, the sunsets, and it, it just seems like the right place to be. So I think that you landed the right place at the right time. And I appreciate your, your message about thinking critically. For yourself and not just taking in all information with without considering the intent or the person behind it so appreciate you and your time here today You're sharing everything on the podcast i'm really grateful for your music and putting it all out there and just being an open book today and sharing your thoughts so thank you
0: thanks a lot brother was a big pleasure thanks for having me man
1: the Frio Music Podcast with Michael Morahan. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you don't miss a single episode. And don't forget to share this podcast everywhere. Thanks for listening and until next time, stay tuned. You are
0: listening to Frio Music. You are listening to Frio Music.